Hello, and welcome to the Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you for show number 123. Uh, and this show, of course, is brought to you on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, as well as with video here on YouTube. Uh, all right, so this week I have probably one of the most interesting guests I think I've, I've ever had on my show. I am, I've been looking forward to this interview for a very long time. Uh, I have, as anybody who has watched my channel for any length of time knows, I have interviewed a number of people who were previously involved in uh, destructive cults or high control groups or, you know, whatever, however you want to describe the situations that they were involved in, where they were followers of a leader of some kind, whether that leader was Joseph Smith or whether it was uh, Bill Gothard or L. Ron Hubbard or whoever, and I have talked uh, at length uh, about the abusive relationship that is a destructive cult, whether it's a small group or large group or whatever. And we've locked, we've talked about the dynamics of this and how people get involved in it and why smart people fall for stupid things. But this week, we're going to be talking to Jessica Schaub. And she was herself a spiritual leader, not follower. And she actually, uh, and we were going to find out exactly how this happened, because I'm a little curious myself. I have not done a lot of pre-interview with Jessica on this. We're just kind of diving right into it. Uh, but she kind of realized uh, somehow that, that, that what she was doing as a spiritual new age guru or leader was itself... Uh, well, the, the analogy she made was imagine one day waking up and finding out that you're a drug dealer. And, uh, and then suddenly maybe thinking, gee, maybe this isn't such a good idea, right? And maybe what I've been doing isn't really the smartest thing to do, and maybe it's not in the best interest of the people who are following me to continue giving them this message. And she changed, and she is now an advocate for critical thinking and skepticism and reason. And so I, like I said, have been wanting to talk to her for a while. So, Jessica, welcome to my show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being on. Uh, okay, so let's just dive right into this. So first off, um, you're obviously not some old, wizened, you know, spiritually enlightened Indian guru who sat on a mountain for 70 years and then came down to tell us all about it. You're, you're a young woman and you are European, is that right? Uh, I'm from Canada. Oh, Canada. Uh, actually, originally. Okay. Yep, yeah. um, but I'm living in Europe. There we go. Okay, yeah, because you're in Portugal now. Yeah, and my background is Polish and Swedish, so. Got it. All right, so let's just get let's just get into this. How did you become a spiritual guru? How big was your following at its peak? How did this whole thing happen for you? Okay, so first I started off, I, I was raised in uh, a sort of a cult, actually. Uh, it was a combination between Christianity, and Jewish, and um, Jehovah Witness. Um, wow. And, yeah, it was called the Worldwide Church of God at the time. And it was uh, still so strange because we went to church on a Saturday instead of a Sunday. Uh, we went to a church at a high school in the theater area um, because it didn't have its own and we weren't allowed to eat seafood or things like this and it was it was strict you weren't allowed to talk to people unless they were within the church and, and stuff like this so oh you could not um, talk to, to outsiders 
Well, it, it was it was frowned upon, and so it was it was quite controlling in that way. So, um, but at the same time, it created this idea of morals. You know, that you're a good person, and so uh, and I you get rewarded if you're if you get if you're able to do well with the Bible studies, right? And punished if you if you don't do well, or if, or if you make some kind of ruckus in church. Uh, right. So it was. Was like this, and um, then one day, um, my dad decided to, to leave the church, and it was for quite a strange reason. Actually, he started to say, "Hear voices. Uh, it's some sort of beings, angels, saying, you know, what are you doing here? They're just saying the same thing. You should just leave." And he did, and um, basically we lost our friends and everything overnight. It's just like, only if you believe what I believe do we like you. It was very shocking to see how, how fickle uh, these people were. And I was quite upset about this because I, I wanted some sort of fellowship. And so I was looking at other churches, um, and they didn't feel right. And so I started to look at other uh, faiths. Um, and just tried to study them all, of course, in a very superficial, rudimentary way. Oh, they're all saying, you know, love, and so it's all the same thing. So why choose, kind of a thing. How how um, old were you at this time when your dad about, said, "Okay, we're out," and the whole disconnection happened? About fourteen. Okay. Yeah, age fourteen. Okay, so you were and, so you were an inquisitive child, fourteen. You didn't just dive out. You looked for something else to dive into. Well, because if there's, those were all my friends, and also my family was poor and they were struggling, and so I knew that um, the community can help you with this. Mm. So I needed another community for my family, mainly. I was very um, protective of my family. I was very much feeling like I, I had to help, I had to save them, and this is very much a theme for later on. It just expanded from family to world. Uh, so uh, the next thing that happened when I was 16, my sister died in a, in a car accident, and I was oh. quite judgmental. I was really uh, sad to find out what an amazing person she was, and I really didn't get to know her because I was she, she liked to drink and party, and I had this conditioning that these kind of people are, are you know bad and you should stay away from them. And so hearing about what she was, what kind of person she was at, at the funeral was like devastating to miss out on this. Um, but also, um, shortly after she died, my, like very quickly after, my dad ended up having a stroke. And I think he actually had um, some sort of um, stroke before, maybe like a transient stroke, why, why he was claiming to speak to suddenly angels or things like this. So then he started to say he, he was speaking to my sister and she wasn't really dead. Uh, then he was also speaking to um, aliens and they were our sole family and that um, my sister died so that there could be a bridge between um, the work that our family has to do. Um, and this is kind of bizarre things. Um, and I think he was just trying to help in the way that he thought was comforting. Um, then he started to talk to me about my mission and he said that these uh, beings that are talking with him um, want to talk with me and that I have very important work to do and that I'm special and that I'm chosen. Oh. Um, in the spiritual movement, they have the crystal child, the indigo child, they, a lot of pressure on their children that they're to be conscious or to, to change the world uh, for the big shift. Um, so suddenly I had this kind of pressure and I didn't have much confidence at the time. I was actually quite a, a shy kid. Um, so, and I was quite upset with my dad for talking about these things because I, first of all, I wanted a normal life and a normal dad. 
Um, and I, and also I needed him to be able to work and help support the family, not talk to these beings and have all these whimsy ideas. So actually I was very much a skeptic and adamant about this in the beginning. Oh, okay. Okay. So first you're like, yeah, "Yeah, no way. You're, I don't, I don't want to hear about this. This is nuts. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And I really fought it and I just, I just really didn't like it. It just seemed like you're out to lunch, you know, this is right. not what I need right now. But as you know, in time, even if a person goes to church, for example, and they're not a believer and they just keep going and then maybe they think, mm, I'm going to pretend that I'm one of them. And then after a while, it starts to, you know, sink in more and more. It's, um, this happens a lot with actors too. They, they play a role after a while. They've, it's very difficult to shake the role. And so that's what happened. Um, more and more it started to sink in that our thoughts create reality. Uh, we have to watch our words. We have to watch, you know, because all of this turns into what we manifest and create for ourselves. So uh, on Christmas Day, um, I was very angry with my father, and I said to him something really horrible. I said, I hate you. Why don't you just die already? And shortly after, he did. Oh, I am so sorry. It was it was absolutely devastating. Um really devastated the family, my, my mother as well, because she was very, very close with him. It was the love of her life. And because I had these beliefs of my thoughts create reality, and I'm this powerful being that, that killed my dad. Oh, wow. And when he died, I realized how much I really care for him and how much, what was he really doing that was so bad? He was trying to help me. He was trying to give me some purpose. You know, he, so the only way I felt I could be close to him and make it up to him was to be able to um, take on his mission, take on his message so he didn't, you know, die in vain and that maybe there are other people who are getting similar messages. Uh, they can, so they won't feel so alone or they don't have to feel that they're going crazy. Um, I remember also there were people, before my dad passed away, there was um people that were coming to me with information similar to what my dad was saying. I was getting books, I was getting videos and things like this. So I knew that there were others out out there, but uh, it seemed also, it was very much along the lines of conspiracy stuff. So I don't know if you're familiar with David Icke and the reptilians. Oh, I'm very, yeah, I'm very (laughs) familiar with that. I've I've actually made a few videos about how the nonsense of conspiracy theories. Yeah. So so you were wrapped up in the whole world of this stuff. Yes, and it seemed like we're pretty much screwed. And so I just, I really, I hated this. And like, if we believe this, then then we're going to manifest this as well, right? So I just started to be like, well, it doesn't seem to be any real, any examples, anybody talking about what we can do. It's just always the problem and fear and fear and fear. So uh, in my way to be close to my dad and continue on with his work and also help prevent what happened to me, uh, not happen to other people, I started to make videos. I started to become, I had all this, uh, suddenly these messages of what my dad was talking to me about just came through very strongly and I just, you know, just took over. And, um, and right now, away, how old were you at this point? So I was 21. Okay. When my dad died. Okay. So 16 when my sister died, 21 when my dad died. And yep. you see, so a lot of trauma brings us to the beliefs if you're not raised in it. Yes. So this is something that we're, when we're really struggling with reality and we want to, we don't like it, we want to escape it, this is when these beliefs become very appealing. This is where we start to become gullible and vulnerable and yes. easy to be taken advantage of. That's right. So I just started making videos. Wow. See, it's and, interesting because 
your journey is not so different from that of a follower. Right. Right. In terms of the, you know, the, the milestones of life being, you know, moments of great change or upheaval or loss and how those moments make us, like you just said, very vulnerable. And, and you just started making videos. Interesting. Okay. So then, so then what happened? So with my, with my father dying, what I, I felt like I had these kind of beings as well now speaking to me. I don't know if this was like placebo or osmosis or whatever kind of idea I convinced myself of. Um, I never actually heard voices, but I just felt like I had stuff downloaded to me. So to uh, what I got regarding my dad's death was that um, I had a contract with him that I would help him pass away, like when they go when the time came, because it would be for, too difficult for him. So even though I said this harsh thing uh, on the soul level, it was something like, it's okay, dad, you can go now, we'll be fine. And this is kind of stories we tell ourselves to be able to manage reality again. Um, and so I, I shared this honestly to the, to the world, what I said, and I think people were really inspired by that or just this kind of honesty or bluntness that I had, um, because most people wouldn't want to talk about that or share some, that they said something like this. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I had a tremendous amount of guilt and that was the only way I could, you know, deal with it was kind of use, um, YouTube at the time as my confession booth to the world. Um, and many people really felt very connected to it and uh, people were very drawn to what I was saying and um, people were trying to convince me that I actually really was, you know, what my dad was saying I was. Um, and then people were expecting me to heal them and I thought, well, I'll just try and, well, they're suddenly better. So, wow, you know, you really do have abilities too. It's placebo. If people believe in you or see there's something special in you, it's really scary how quickly. Oh, I have can... yeah, I have no doubt about that. But um, and the power of that is is frankly amazing. Uh, you know what people can experience through, you know, because they simply want to or believe that they are, you know, better or stronger or or whatever. Uh, it's I, I find it an endlessly fascinating subject: the placebo effect and the nocebo and and how that whole thing works. So, uh, but I'm interrupting you. Carry on. That's okay. No, it was. It's of course. It's a. It's a quick fix. So it's a temporary fix. And I mean, when a person thinks they're healed by you, of course, it's harder for you to question if what you're doing is actually right, is actually helping, because it looks to be helping. Everybody's telling you you're helping. Right. I just kept getting more and more support and and, and uh, approval. And um, I. We were still very tight financially at the time, and my mother was quite sick with migraines, and I just didn't like this idea of charging money for what I did because people wanted me to um, pay, um, have, uh, them, have them pay me for my healing services. Um, and Now, were they coming to you in person yet at this point, or was it just... In person, yes. Okay. And also, because wherever I went, people, um, I couldn't help but talk about these things and talk about the, like what people are saying I can do. Oh, let me try. Oh, wow, you really, you know, so like this, and virtually as well, too, so. Okay. Um, so you, so, you, so you're now being positioned as a spiritual healer. Yeah, exactly, okay. and so people are, are wanting me to charge, but I don't want to charge because, um, well, I, I'm frustrated with all the times nobody would help my, my mother because we didn't have any money. I didn't like this idea that we're sending out to the universe. Only if you're wealthy do you deserve to be healthy. So hmm. I tried to resist this, but people like insisted I put up a PayPal button. And so next thing I know, like 
they're saying, can you do sessions with me? You know, can so they were donating to me and another video I did, someone was like, I really feel like you need to come to Australia. Um, I'll, I'll pay for everything, you know, just come to this, this Nexus conference, which is a spiritual conference. And it was the first time I was really immersed by people who were all like thinking about these things. Cause at this time it was quite, it wasn't very mainstream like it is now. No sooner do I get out and start, it's, it's like spreading like wildfire. It's everywhere. Really? Uh, yeah, and, and before it was quite underground and taboo, and there was always this nervousness to talk about reptilians and the conspiracies and what's going oh, on. Oh, so. God, really? I was hoping yeah, that yeah. stuff was kind of going away. It's getting stronger? Unfortunately, yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Okay, yeah, because yeah. there's a whole thing over here in the States about uh, flat earthers. And yep. And for the longest time, I was like, you got to be kidding me. The flat earthers are like the lowest hanging fruit in the critical thinking world. I mean, you want to take yep. somebody down, go take down a flat earther. It's the easiest thing in the world to do, right? I mean, come on. And I was just like, yeah, no way am I touching that. And I had guys writing me and emailing me and like, you have got to do this. It's growing. It's becoming worse. And I'm like, no way. You're crazy. And I looked into it, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's more and more of these Flat Earth videos popping up. And I, Millions. Uh, Very well done. Yeah. And I went down to uh, uh, Fort Collins here in Colorado. I went to a Flat Earther meeting of, like, real people who really believe this stuff. And it wasn't anywhere near as large as I, you know, had been led to believe it was going to be. There were only about 10 people in the room. But they were hardcore believers, and I just sat and watched and listened, and I didn't interfere, and I didn't get into trying to make them wrong or argue with them. I just wanted to see what, how did they talk to each other? What did they say? And kind of figured the whole thing out, and I made a, I made a, a video or two about it. And, and I'm, you know, that's, that's about all I'm going to do with flat earthers because it's just so ridiculous. It's insane. But, uh, the fact, the idea that that's growing and the, and the David Icke stuff is growing. I mean, Alex, yeah. Alex Jones is a problem here in the States, but most people look at it and just go, come on, that, that guy is nuts. Uh, and I, you know, I had my own time of believing Alex Jones back when I was in Scientology. But that's, uh, so, you, so your experience is that this is a blossoming thing. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. Um, because also f when I was doing this, um, because there wasn't very many and I was becoming very overwhelmed with all these healing demands and pulled here, pulled here to do this and that. I just uh, at some point what we started to what I started to do and I encourage others to do is uh, when I would do readings for people is just to let them know that they were similar, that they, they could do the same thing and that this was their sole work to spread this message, to plant the seeds, to help wake people up. So that's what they're all doing now. Uh, and so that's, this is why it's spreading. I mean, we have Deepak Chopra, we have Eckhart Tolle, we have Oprah. Um, it, this kind of stuff is entering um, psychology. Um, you know, just be positive. Um, be careful with your thoughts. Um, so I, you, you can see it there, and it's, it's quite disturbing. And, of course, there's the, the health movement, which yoga and meditation, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it can be very helpful or even being a vegetarian. But people become so extreme, and the problem is it becomes a, a gateway. So if you go to a, a meditation or a yoga 
uh, center, you will find uh, flyers and people there that are advertising for chakra activation, uh, connect with your higher self, and, and being um, a vegetarian isn't enough. No, you have to raise your vibration. You have to be uh, conscious, and so that means you have to be a vegan. You have to be a raw foodist. You have to have a 100-mile diet, and then you have to be a breatharian. Uh, to, so it gets so extreme, and it, everything is this idea of conscious, even just uh, the conscious time to poo, 7 a.m. That's So any other time you're not conscious. It's just, it becomes very militant and, and like a religion, and it's um, very, it's too much. And then you're, you're pushing it on your kid, you're expecting your kids to have a cleanse all the time and to meditate, and so it's, this isn't good, this isn't healthy. No. But, uh, so... Um, with the flat earthers, I mean, there's millions and millions of, of uh, followers and, and hits on, on YouTube about it. I do think it was maybe uh, some kind of an experiment that, because I remember at one point I would, I was, I found that you could tell people anything. You can make something up. The more crazier, the better. And people will, you can, and then you can say later on, on in YouTube that I made it up and they'll be like, no, no, I know you're actually are channeling something and right. you have the truth and this is the truth. They will refuse to accept it. So even if you give them proof that the earth is not flat by or telling them just to take a weather balloon and um, with a camera, they could clearly see the curvature, they will reject this. They will pretend like they never heard it because they don't want to see it. That's right. Uh, so, but in my time, back in my day, uh, it was all about the earth was hollow. And this was the videos and the things my dad was talking to oh, me about. Oh, you were a hollow I, earther. I was a hollow earther. <laughs> okay. Very much so. I have all wow. kinds of really wacky, wacky videos about the hollow earth, I think. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You, my brother, yeah, my brother yeah. just pointed that out to me that that's a thing. And he was asking me about it and showing me some video about Admiral Byrd. And I was just like, dude. You got to stop right now, like right yeah. now. This has to stop now. Do not get into this. <laughs> and uh, I think I, I think I convinced him, but it was, uh, it was some work, you know. Wow. But people think the more people believe in something, the more that it's true. If if um if a flat Earth video has many millions of hits, then it must be true. Right. And it's not necessarily. Lots of people believe a lot of stupid stuff. It doesn't mean it's true. Nope. Nope. And even if some things are true, should we make it such a military, such an authority within us uh, that to the point that we are uh, too afraid to question outside of it, that we identify with it, we, per we personalize it. And so right. to think outside of it is, is very, very difficult. Or we feel that people who don't think or agree with this is the enemy. So we have to be careful with this, too. Yep. That's exactly um, It's a pattern. You can almost, yeah. like, predict it. I mean, you can lay it all out. As to how the beliefs, you know, start with a seed, grow, germinate, right, spread, and the behavior that's going to follow, the extremist behavior that, that follows from that. It's almost like clockwork for some people. Even in, in beautiful, positive beliefs, like spirituality, new, I like to call it spiritual new age because uh, a lot of people have a different idea what spirituality is and a different idea what, what new age is. But I, again, like I said, they're gateway and they intertwine very easily yeah. so like i said yoga meditation can be considered spiritual but then activate your you know dna or your pineal gland then it's like <laughs> channel your alien guides and all this stuff which ah. is all, what i was all about i was all about this because um i thought that if this is really if all we have to do is believe it and then it becomes a reality you know then that it makes much more life so much more exciting right right well, plus, um, so plus more, you have a hidden, you, you have a hidden knowledge, 
you know, which, yeah, which gives you a exists. status, you know, you get a status from that. I'm curious, I got to ask, I mean, in all this time that you're doing this, I mean, you reluctantly put up a PayPal button. Okay, yeah, but you did. And, and you have yeah. money coming in and you have all this support and you're getting a ton of, um, you know, peer, uh, <laughs> I guess what you would consider in the, in the spiritual world, peer review, because you're getting, you know, all this positive reinforcement of the, yes. of what you're putting out, right? So it's a, yes. and this is, and this is actually, I'm really glad that that this that that we're talking about this because I have talked extensively about the the what happens at the follower end, right? And mm -hmm. how you know we need to be better people and we need to be smarter people and more critical thinkers so that we don't fall for what some spiritual guru who doesn't really know what they're talking about is feeding us. And yet, there's it is you know a two sided relationship. It's a it's a I don't want to use the word codependent because it's a loaded word, but it is a kind of codependent relationship because the follower the the leader needs the followers. That's correct. The leader is nothing without the followers. They're not. Right. They can't be a leader then. And so it is definitely. I have to agree with you that it is codependent. Yeah. I felt at some point I became. Um, I was a slave to my followers because I had to tell them what they wanted to hear, mm -hmm. how they wanted to hear it. This is what they were expecting of me. Right. I had to constantly make videos. If I didn't, what's wrong? Why don't you make videos? I can't function without your videos. Yeah. Yeah. So suddenly it was like this, and I'm like, okay, well, this is my mission. So I have to try to give more and more to them, and at the same time. It's never enough. Right, right. But what else do you have? What else do you have? So this is why we have this idea of levels and you have to even more advance, more advance. It feels yeah. like a reality show. So you think you're spiritual. So you think you're conscious. Yeah. So whoever has the most. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's so funny because in Scientology, which is the one I'm most familiar with. I mean, I've familiarized myself with some other things too. But there are levels. There are. And that took Hubbard. 15 years to develop, you know, right. all through the, it's, go ahead. It's very convenient. It's very clever because it's never ending. It's a great way to keep people trapped because they, again, never good enough. So same for Christianity, never good enough for God. I need to do more service for God. I need to spread the gospel more. You know, what, what else can I do? Oh crap. God heard me thinking about something that could be an unpure thought. You know, so it's a great, it's a perfect mind trap of, um, uh, and the thing that um, I'm sure uh, Elrond did was pretended that he had it all together, that he reached these levels. Mm -hmm. And so um, the more you talk about these kind of things and the more you learn about the levels, the more people see you in a certain way. So they assume also that you have it all together as well. And of course, when you make videos, you're not showing them crying or when you're struggling, you're showing them in your best light trying to be positive. So people again think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that. <laughs> A bliss zombie is what I call it, <laughs> which I don't, I don't think is worth it either to have like a lobotomy where you're not, where thinking is suddenly not cool and you're just like in bliss 24-7 where so many people have um, these amazing experiences, high emotional experiences is what I call them, and um, they're lost to this. They want to recreate this experience in any way possible, yep. so they'll pay whatever expensive workshop or healer or practitioner to kind of get there again, but we're not meant to live there 24-7. Right. It's a, it's so a, it's anyway. like a dopamine rush. It is. Yeah, and they but want it. They, it, it becomes a, a, yeah, it becomes a, 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 they need their fix. It is, but it's also an act. So the spiritual leaders always, um, if they're not acting like they're together, 
um, then the, the followers have convinced themselves that they are together, so they will only see them this way. Mm. And I, I had this uh, sort of this realization in, in my trailer um, where I was in Spain, and I, I at the end of this the, my speech, I I don't know, I was had a Twilight Zone moment where I was just suddenly freaked out by how they were looking at me, like I'm an angel, I'm divine, and and I'm actually quite a tomboy. I have three brothers, and um, so I. I don't know, I have my own logic in which I thought, this is creepy, what should I do? Uh, I know, I just did this big epic burp that is in my documentary trailer. Oh yeah, and, that's right, I saw that. You have an anima- yeah. you have an animated version of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, so that, that really, have it on video. That really that happened? happened? It said it was a true story. Yeah, oh my really god, happened. I didn't get that. Because I started to feel uncomfortable, I started to realize something was off, that these people were not seeing me for what I actually was, and it started to feel like the, the life of Brian Monty Python, you know? Right. Tell us more. You no, know, you're an individual. You can think for your own. Yes, that's, what else can you tell us? And, no. <laughs> so it started to feel like this. Um, and so after I did this verb, I thought, okay, this might snap them out of the spell. Yeah, okay. That's how I think. Um, and anyway, they were just like... Um, I, I think after that, I actually I also I was playing as poi because I w- I did this for about what this burp was like three seconds long, very epic arms out and everything, and uh, um, I just point to my translator, and I say it's him because I know it's ridiculous. They all saw me, if, you know, do it, and and so and um, my translator's like, no, no, it, it was you, Jessica, and just when I was about to say, well, of course, they start. The audience starts freaking out and going, how dare you accuse Jessica Mystic of such a thing? It was you, you pig, to the translator. It, it, yeah. It was very, very shocking because they saw me do it, but they refused to see I did it. And this made me become aware, like, what leaders, uh, they can get away with anything. There's um, a documentary about uh, Sai Baba, uh, an Indian guru who supposedly could do all these uh, miracles um, make gold appear out of thin air, or gold eggs that come out of the mouth. Obviously, he drink water first with a cup that you can't see that's in the mouth, and oh, here it is! Wow. Um, but uh, it was really disturbing because they have an interview with one of the his one of the lead uh, devotees, and he's the owner of the Hard Rock Cafes. And wow. they talk about how Sai Baba was caught with the molesting young boys. And that he even might be behind some of the, the murders of them. And wow. um, the, when they when they confronted this um, owner of the Hard Rock Cafe, uh, his main devotee about this, he said, "Well, it doesn't matter what he's done. He's he's still my leader. He's still my guru. He's still my god." So you people get to this point of power where it doesn't matter what you do. You're so advanced, and and. This became very scary that people can can be this way that they can see me no longer as a human that they that I'm I'm above everything and then there's no responsibility. Right. That's quite that's quite disturbing that we give a person this much power. We really shouldn't do this because of course it will lead to corruption. I can uh, I can see why so many people can get tempted to further exploit. They think they, I saw the other um, leaders explo- exploiting their followers. Using them for sexual things, using them for um, financial, uh, just consensus, and um, I was very disturbed by this because some of the leaders knew that this was something they can ex- like uh, they can make people believe whatever they want. Right. They they, they so they know they think it's bullcrap, 
and they convince and but they know that people will believe them. And, then, and, and so they and just melt the, it for all it's worth. That's kind of the standard then, yeah. idea of a of a spiritual leader for skeptics is that people get into that racket so that they can get all those rewards, knowing the whole time that it's all nonsense. But but you're it's a big business. It's a billion dollar business. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big business. And I, Brown. And, and I'll tell you, it's you know to be just a little frustrated for a moment. It is what? it is frustrating to be at the end that we're on right now, where you're trying to talk sense to people because they don't necessarily sound like they really want to hear it. It's nowhere. Well, it's nowhere near ones. as popular. So those are the ones that are. Um, Again, so there's two kinds as, as I see it. There's the ones that know it's a, a scam and milk it for all it's worth. Yep. And then there's ones like me who really believe that this is true. They convince themselves and so they're able to convince others. Yep. So they're very sincere in this. They don't they don't know they're lying. They forget they forgot they were lying to themselves or that they've convinced themselves in order to, to cope, to function. And so um, this is also for them, difficult for them to hear. Because when I when I tell them this, they're like, well, no, but there is still real spirituality and we still have to wake people up. So we continue on. And I did, too. The burp afterwards, even though I was disturbed by this, it didn't make me leave. You know, it, it just was this this hiccup, this moment of doubt. Right. But it, it wasn't enough to, to really question it fully. I'm OK. There's some things that aren't good in spirituality or New Age movement, but in, uh, not, not everything. There's a lot of good things, too. So I should focus there. So you continue into it. So the next thing that happened was I ended up um, becoming quite drained because I was giving so much and I had no time for myself and because uh, I had this idea now I had to save the world and I could do it and I had to make my dad proud on the other side. And sure. um, then I ended up getting into an, an, an abusive relationship um, and psych mostly psychologically abusive, um, very manipulative. Um, you use me to uh, sell things to my followers and you know and this kind of thing and um, also the more I uh, it, the this sort of manipulation and abuse happened the more I would sort of my, my beliefs would say well my soul chose this so um, this I, I just have to be more loving because love is always the answer to everything even the Illuminati and the reptilian people you just have to send them love um, yeah, it, it makes sense, right? It's so logical. Sure. <laughs> of course, what it does is it allows them to get away with it, forgive, continue on. And so this is just amplifies and is worse, it becomes worse and worse. And so that's so what happened. And I was really wondering, like, did, did I really choose this? Like, I have a hard time believing that I, my soul could choose something like this. It's, um, Again, I wasn't able to fully question it, but I was wondering why weren't my beliefs able to help me? My beliefs were supposed to be the answer, the solution to everything. Um, later on, I would, I would to find out that if our, our beliefs are the problem, then no way could they ever be the solution. Mm. So for um, religious, a Christian, for example, if um, the problem is that they feel they're not good enough for God, no matter what they do, to be good for God, again, like they're still stuck. They, it does. It makes the problem worse. Whatever try the goodness, goodness it continued to do for God, and so uh, I just felt like I had to get away. I had to try to understand why this, why I got into this kind of a relationship. Uh, I also started to see that um, my followers were becoming more and more mentally unstable. Um, I was getting uh, stalkers. I was getting people becoming like very paranoid. 
and the 2012 was coming, and a lot of people thought it was the end of the world. Okay. Um, and I didn't necessarily think it'd be the end of the world, but I did think there would be some big shift, some some big change of some kind. I, I would always say I was careful with dates because some people are like, yes, something for sure is going to happen at this date, and uh, of course nothing happens. Uh, but if they, but if you were to look at the the Facebook at, um, at the end of 2011, like the, you could see that uh, people were um, really just acting like, wow, something's really happening. I feel the energy. I feel the shift. So they were trying to convince themselves. Right. Um, I just said it was an end of an old way of living, being, thinking, and doing that we'd somehow end up in another dimension or, or something like this, the fifth dimension. Um, sure, the fifth. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's vague enough that it could mean literally anything. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, <laughs> now, did you know at this point that you were sputtering vague generalities on purpose so as not to get locked into something? Or was this just kind of going with the flow and it just kind of seemed like the right thing to do? Was there calculation to that? Or was there, I'm just going with the flow here? Well, I think it would be I'm going with the flow because I was very careful to get not like get locked in generalities and dates and things like this. Yeah. I, I mean, even though I said, okay, we could maybe go to a fifth dimension, we just don't know. We don't know what will happen. Okay. Um, but there's, again, there's so much stuff out there that this is going to happen and that's going to happen that it, it builds you, it makes you nervous, right? Like what if something actually does happen and I'm not prepared? So, so... It, it was yeah. I, I'm, but I'm mostly a go with the flow. We'll kind of we'll wait and we'll see. Okay. And at um, this point, you're still in the mindset that this that what you're saying is mostly true. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you're still a believer in this whole thing. So what happens that you go, hey, wait a second, I'm I'm sputtering bullshit here. This isn't this isn't the real deal. What? How did that change happen? But. Uh, I went to, when I wanted to to end the relationship with my ex, I just decided that I was going to get as far away from him as possible. Uh, I was going <laughs> to, I got a, a plane ticket and I decided to go to Asia oh. uh, and Australia. He was in Canada, so I'm like, as far away from him as possible. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a distance, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I thought I could like meet up with other like minds uh, out there and I could try to set up spiritual workshops because it was right before... Uh, the end, the 2012. Okay. And um, so I went to all these different places in Asia, and I tried to you know make these kind of videos about um, spiritual tourists, kind of a thing, or conscious tourists. Um, and then I, when I went to Bali, Indonesia, to set up a workshop, um, I ended up uh, doing couch surfing, and I I met. Um, a guy named Diego uh, Fontanive, who is the founder of the EUF project, um, but uh, at the time the EUF project was very small. What's the Pardon? What's the EUF project? E E O F project, uh, not EUF. Oh, I bought. Oh, what, <laughs> uh, what is this? What is so, this project? Well, um, it's pretty much about. Well, EOF stands for end of fear. But okay. not the not the fear of a rational fear like if you a tiger is coming for you you know <laughs> you run obviously it's it's the existential fear hmm. that we have that creates a, a trap for us. Okay. So for example, Scientology exists because of a lot of irrational fears. Yes. And we're not able to tell the difference between rational and irrational. Yes. 
So all beliefs need irrational fear in order to exist. Okay. Uh, and also this idea of irrational responsibility. I have to save the world. I have to spread my belief. It's really a battle of truth, a battle of beliefs. We Every belief wants the whole world to believe what they believe in order for the, the shift or the greater good to happen, it seems. And if you're not, if anybody who isn't believing what you believe is, is obviously the enemy or against you or doesn't get you or someone you have to try to convert. Yeah, so okay. uh, indoctrinate in whatever way. So um, it, the project really helps us realize the difference between these two fears. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And it combines um, critical thinking with uh, metacognition, which is thinking about our thinking, and memetics. Okay. Um, so virus thinking and antivirus, what we can do because um, why is it that we go from oh, Scientologists, I find they go from one belief to another. Uh, right, sometimes from so from a scientist, and I go to being a Christian. Yeah, no, that, or that happens. They be, or they might be. It's very difficult to when you've been into something for such a long time and you're raised in it. Who are you without that belief, right? Um, so a lot of them I've heard also sadly ended up turning to drugs um, I've, I've seen or that. just on, on medication uh, because it's uh, it's difficult to to face. The world and themselves, or to just admit that we've been wrong or fooled—it's—it's it's quite painful. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it's—it's um, it's been shown that um, there's, if a person's belief is being questioned, the parts of the brain that light up are the part of uh, the, the same parts as if they're in physical danger. Right, right. I've seen that. So. This is why when you try to talk to people about their beliefs or get them to question it, they, they become so defensive right away and immediately start to attack you because they, they feel like their life's in danger. That's right. Because we, we, I find that beliefs, they act like a, a, a virus. They end, up, they end up taking over our mind and thinking for us rather than our own mind. And, and maybe and we weren't born with that. That's right. Maybe another way of describing that would be that they become so closely aligned in our minds with who we are, what our identity is, how we identify and think of ourselves, that the belief becomes inseparable from how we see ourselves. That's, exactly. that's how I've gone about yeah. describing it, right? I, I, exactly. I, I like the virus analogy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit science fiction. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, yeah, it kind of gives a, okay, separate from me, but I can see how that works sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's because then, then it becomes irrational because if somebody's trying to have a conversation with you about the belief, it becomes about you and, exactly. and you're now you're being attacked rather than the belief is being attacked because you cannot differentiate these two things. And this is uh, a problem I've been trying to figure out myself with my limited amount of education, uh, you know, trying to learn about this problem and, and the causes of it because it is a huge, huge intrinsic flaw in our cognitive process that we do this. That's right. And we do it even in, in, in the skeptic movement as well, right? Oh, yeah. Like I won't listen to something unless it has absolutely. So if you yep. say that we're all conditioned or we're, um, then I won't listen to this because there's no scientific proof. I'm sorry. There's some things that don't need scientific proof. It's just obvious, but we can be so rigid and, right. and militant about these things. And it's not, it's not healthy at all because it closes us off and, we all have blind spots. We all have biases, and I, right. I don't understand why we're not all fascinated with them. I would like to know what they are. And so this is <laughs> right. I, you know, I you talk about to... this, and you talk about this, and people are like, "Yeah, whatever, okay." You know, Trump, go Trump. You know, you're just like, "Come on." Yeah, not even that though. Like, 
they, we feel like we have no choice. It has to be a Trump or Hillary. Then, right. But how did you end up bringing yourselves down to only those two choices? Exactly. You know, exactly. Like, yeah. And, and why or, do you think you have to have right. either? Like, you can refuse. No, no, we have to go. That's just how it is. And, and it was the same with um, what really baffled me with um, uh, Brexit. Yeah. People didn't really look up how this would affect them until after. That's right. Until after it went through, they wanted to know how it affected them. That's right. You know, this is very concerning that we um, tend to make a mess of things in our life. Um, we make the same mistakes over and over again, same pothole over and over again, and and then we need some sort of help or support or counseling to for to cope, and then we go and do the same thing again. Yep. Exactly. So we need to really have some sort of prevention, some kind of understanding of, of what we're doing. Um, and this is something that the UF project does as well, and it helps us to differentiate between our idea, our beliefs, and also um, all the all the other conditioning or ideals that think for us again. All right, I get it. And to see the difference, and to to not get so caught up in it, because aside from mm, religious beliefs, then there's also our ideas of relationships, our ideas of our partner. You know, how can we have a relationship with a person if we have an idea of the person? Not we're not actually knowing the actual person, just our idea, our picture, what we want them to be, right. how we think a relationship should be. This creates a lot of problems as well. Right. Uh, so, I, I could not agree with you more on everything you just said there. Was it your exposure to the EOF project that got you thinking differently from what you were doing as a yes. spiritual leader? Is that the, Was that the tipping point for you? Well, yeah. When I met Diego, um, I was just doing couch surfing, like I said, and I and, thought and, he was actually. And what is? Did, did you say well. couch surfing? Couch surfing. Oh, You've couch. Heard of couch, couch, couch. Uh, tell me what you mean by that. It's just a. It's a, um, a website where people who travel uh, can stay at other people's houses oh. uh, for free on their couch. Oh yeah, no, I've never uh, heard of that. Okay, no. I, okay, now I get it. What? It's great. Rather than staying at hotels or motels when you're traveling, you can stay at other, you know, people. You can look up their profile and, oh, that person's cool. We have that. They're also a skeptic, you know, and can I'm going to be in that area and can I stay on your couch for a few days? It's it's really wonderful. Ah, okay. I, so anyway, I thought Diego was actually spiritual. I looked on his profile and I saw that he actually, his Facebook profile, because from his name, he used his full name so I could see on Facebook that he had. Um, First of all, he had something that looked like David Icke stuff, so I'm like, cool, he knows about the reptilian. <laughs> and he had a video, um, the one that Project Camelot, which is what I did, what it ended up making me pretty much famous overnight. Um, and so I was like, okay, so he knows me, he knows about my work. So one of the things that we do also when we're believers is we try to continue to surround ourselves by people who think the That's same, right? That's right, right, want that reinforcement. Uh, that's right, confirmation bias. Yep. And so, anyway, um, he actually wasn't into these kind of things at all. He actually didn't really know much about them. Um, but he was quite fascinated with some of the things I was talking about. And um, he just let me talk. And then he just started to ask these questions, these questions that were like, you know, are you sure you're helping? Mm. Uh, you know, and then I had to think about the people that were... Um, there are Bali, Indonesia, for example, is a very spiritual place. Uh, a lot for a lot of people go there. Um, well, thanks to the movie Eat, Pray, Love. There's a lot of women that dress up like Julia Roberts, get a bike, you know, in hopes to get run over by the man of their dreams in their rice field. Right. They're Philippi. They they really they really try to be just like her in hopes that the movie will they'll recreate the movie somehow. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, 
And there's all sorts of bizarre workshops there as well. And actually, there uh, found out that a lot of people that did these uh, spiritual workshops ended up in mental institutions. Wow. Um, so I had to, for me, I really thought I was helping and that was really important to me to know that I was helping and a good person. So that's one of my archetypes. And so the fact that maybe I was promoting gullibility and allowing people to continue to be trapped because if you give advice by, oh, just send love if you're struggling with your partner, or if they're abusive, that you know, or this situation, it's just, it's again, easy, quick fix answers that really don't fix things like drugs. You feel good temporarily and then afterwards you feel horrible and you're in an even bigger mess. Right. So these kind of questions he was asking me, um, are, is that you thinking or is this your, your beliefs thinking for you or, you know, it, Interesting. So there's many, many questions you would ask me. The description is not the described. He would always say, um, you know what I mean by that, right? No, cl- so clarify how a person, that. How, how a person um, describes something when they experience something uh-huh. doesn't mean it actually is that way. Oh, so yeah, like, of course. Of course. So, yeah. but, but, uh, so when a person, for example, has a spiritual experience or what they think is a spiritual experience... They, they, whatever they experience, they try to describe it to a person. Yes. And then a person thinks, okay, so then they immediately make it as, as true, and that's actually what happened, and then they try to convince themselves they've had a similar experience as well. That's right. Because they want it so bad, because that's what it means to be spiritual. That's right. And then the ones that can't do it get really frustrated that they're not able to successfully uh, delude themselves. Exactly. Easier than others. The way I've, the way I've uh, talked about that is that you can have a subjective experience and you can interpret it 20 different ways. And any one of those 20 different ways might be the right one or they might all be a total fantasy. But you can convince yourself that any one of those interpretations of your subjective experience was has to be the answer for what happened to you exactly or this idea of enlightenment like because i was into this idea of enlightenment and and diego was like but the only person that we know of who is enlightened was enlightened is the buddha but the any documentations that was written about him was hundreds of years after he died so nobody really knew him therefore it could be the harry potter of that time it could be completely invented you know, and and nobody can say otherwise. And he's like, is there anybody of, alive today that is, is enlightened? Or are they just following an idea? Be, or, I mean, these people who claim to be enlightened, they're, they're not, they're, 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 they are a mess in one way or another. They're, they're biased, you know, they're playing a role again, trying to look like, be what they think is enlightened, but really they're struggling with their mind or right. monks who are enslaved by ritual and routine and they're not able to live a life. They're just, they're hiding in, in their routines and doing the same thing over and over again. They're not able to think critically. They're not able to question what they're doing. Right. Uh, they're not able to see that there, there's a lot of violence in their belief as well. And that they, you know, they don't. So all these kind of, it just, the, he just kept asking these questions, like I said, and after I love the fact that this is how this happened. I really love that this is how this happened, is that you run across somebody who who used Socratic method on you. Pretty much, yes. And and then I thought that actually he was trying to tell me about, like, 
fake spirituality and try to warn me of this and that he was actually um, trying to uh, help me understand real spirituality because uh, he had this kind of mystical aspect to him. So I started to think like, oh, wow, maybe he's an advanced being from another. <laughs> so embarrassing to know the pattern again. Of course you did. I just wanted, I wish time travel was real so I could travel <laughs> back in time and shake myself and be like, come on, what the hell? Right. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, so, uh, anyway, he did this actually purposely because he didn't really know much about spirituality, like I said, or new age, but the more he understood that this was my language, if you want to get through to somebody, yep. you have to use language, right? Yep. Learn the language. Hopes to get them to realize how they, how they scam themselves, how they convince themselves, how, and, and uh, manipulate ourselves into believing things are true. Um, and so that was very savvy on his on his part um but uh so i decided to stay longer with him and work with um myself on this because i was also concerned about you know having a relationship but again the way like i had with my that ex and i really didn't want to have some because you hear about um women who have abusive relationships they go again like i said the same thing over and over right. so i just wanted to look at these patterns i wanted to understand if i if i was um spreading things that weren't helping my followers and I have a responsibility to tell, tell them about this. So um, I started to make videos with Diego and um, I thought my followers would understand and see what I saw very easily. No. Nope. <laughs> they ended up turning on me. I was what? suddenly a tra I was a traitor. I was a liar. Um, I am shocked. I, was, I can't believe I it. I was brainwashed. Diego is evil. He's also with the Illuminati. He's taking me away from my mission. And yeah. also, like, my father's disappointed in me now, people are saying, you know, all these kind of things. You know very well because this is this is what happens when you question. But I was just, like, concerned. I was really worried for my followers. I didn't want them to, you know, uh, fall into the same traps I fell in again, right? I, so um, it was... It was very um, sad because they were my family, they were my friends, and suddenly they're not again. And, and like uh, what happened when, when I told you the, the church or the cult I was involved in. Um, right. And uh, they'll even so, they'll even shun the leader. Sorry. They'll even they'll even shun, they'll even shun yeah. the leader. That is that is a that is uh, such a lesson to be learned. That is so fascinating. Well, well, if you don't, again, if they really rely on you telling them what they want to hear. And if you don't right. tell them that, then, or if you tell them just to question or to think, and questioning and thinking is such a bad, such a taboo thing, particularly in the spiritual movement, because it's all about feeling. Right. Feeling is more important than thinking. The heart is more superior, but the heart can lead you into a total mess as well. It's not that reliable. Our feelings are not reliable. Our memories are not reliable. They can be in invented, yep. uh, distorted. So, uh, but people want to cling to this. They want to continue to make this the authority to, to, for the decisions that they make. And it's just, it's really not healthy. Right. Uh, but right. we're so sure what we've experienced is true. And so. Interesting. Interesting. So really thinking to a lot of people is considered, um, evil and uncomfortable. We've all, we've been taught our whole life that whenever we think or question, we're punished. Mm -hmm. We lose our friends, 
you know, in, in work, we, we deal with bosses that have the Dunning-Kruger effect. I don't know if you know what this means, oh, yeah. but uh, oh, yeah. definitely talk about the confident, that. The confident idiot. You know, we're dealing with these bosses who we know are about to make a bad decision. And we try to tell them about that. Who are you to tell me this? I am the boss. I have the education, you know. And, um, okay, you sit and watch them, you know, make the All mess. Right. And, yeah. You go ahead. Because, you show me the master race here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And so with the spiritual new age and conspiracy people, it's like you were saying before, they think they are knowledgeable. They think they have some special truth. Right. So they have this Dunning-Kruger effect as well. They become very confident in what they think they know. Right. Again, the description is not the described. They become confident in what they think they know, and they also become um, afraid to make fun of it. Right. Uh, so, or to right. laugh at themselves for this as well. That's right. It's very and serious. So, it's very serious. Yeah, it is, and it shouldn't be, and this should be a red flag. A right. red flag for anything is if you can't question it. Yep. It, but we have this in education too. We get in trouble if we if we question the teacher and what you know when they're trying to teach us something that we know is bias or right. just regurgitation. And uh, so I have a lot of people who've been got in trouble in school for things like this. And this isn't right. We should be right free to question. Right. Uh, we should be free to make fun of things as well. I think uh, blasphemy was another thing that helped me to get my mind back from these beliefs. To make fun of my, myself, make fun of what I used to, what I used to believe, and how ridiculous it is. It's very healthy. Um, blasphemy has proven to be a, an effective therapy. Um, yeah, because it, it brings it down. It brings it down, yeah. you know, and it makes it more manageable. And if you can laugh at something, then or ridicule something, then it is not the serious, solemn, you know, life-changing thing that you had it on a pedestal as. And it's just a, I don't know, it's a funny bit of our psychology that it works that way. What, yeah, and we need it. Oh, we do. We definitely do. I, um, I'm, we are running out of time, and I've still got 10,000 questions for you, so uh, we're going to have okay. to do this again. Um, Absolutely. Love to. <laughs> a pleasure. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I have okay, I just want to wrap up one thing though, because I do want I definitely want to get you to finish your, your arc here on how you know you met Diego, you start questioning, you start looking at this differently, you start introducing this to your followers, and they are, are now challenging you and disconnecting from you. Was mm -hmm. that the end or was that the beginning of the end for you as a spiritual guru or what yes. how did this how, how did how did this roll out? That was the beginning of the end. Okay. Absolutely. This is, I started to then go after other spiritual leaders like Teal Swan, for example. Okay. Um, and be, particularly because she was, you know, promoting suicide as um, something as a conscious or okay, because they believe in karma, or, or, sorry, not karma, um, reincarnation, and it's fine to hit the reset oh. button when things are very different. Yeah. And then she would do conferences and uh, she would laugh about it and make jokes about it. And she would claim to be in um, abusive cults, uh, satanic cults, and uh, that she would her job was to lure children to be killed. And while she's talking about this in her interview, she would be like flirting with the interviewer and playing with her hair and laughing while she's talking about kids being burned alive that she witnessed. Wow. So she was obviously just using this story to get attention and to make people feel sorry for her and not bother questioning her. And so when I started to talk about expose her, uh, boy, her followers really turned on me as well. Um, and but I felt again that this is I, I just 
didn't want to give up with trying to get them to be able to see or understand. And slowly people started to realize or they had some kind of uh, trauma or bad experience with their gurus or um, followers, not sorry, not followers, but just like um, other people that were in these beliefs as well. That they, that uh, So they we started to offer some kind of um, some coaching, let's say, um, that would help people transition from a believer to a skeptic. Because, you know, if you can leave a, a church, but you can't, to leave it psychologically is a whole other thing because it's, it's still there. I mean, I don't consider myself religious, but damn, I still have so many religious patterns. Like, I still have this idea that a man must come first in a relationship. I have to sacrifice myself uh, for the people I care about. This is all religious. Right. And so even even skeptics, atheists, they, um, they we are still saturated by our entertainment, uh, education has still religious thinking. Yeah. And as long as we do not, we're not attentive to this, then we will cont- uh, continue to have problems. Right. It does saturate our cultures uh, mm-hmm. around the world. It really does. The the influence of religion cannot be easily. Uh, demarcated or, or, or described because it is so pervasive and there are so many biases set up even for non-religious people or people who come out of religion. So yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, okay, well we're going to wrap up here um, but like I said, I think we're, I think we're definitely going to be talking again soon if we can make it happen because uh, I think there's going to be some very interesting commentary on this uh, podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. as far as people's feedback on this. And I'm very curious what else people out there want to know from you and from your experience uh, so that we can, uh, you know, do more of this. I have one last question just to, you know, we talk about, you know, we've talked about the leaders and the followers and the dynamics of that relationship. And then when you started, you know, speaking out yourself, you got treated a lot like a follower who questions. You know, you get ostracized and shunned and, and ridiculed. Mm-hmm. Have you successfully reached people, though? Has I mean, has everybody shunned you, or have you? did your words matter? Did you wake some people up? Have you heard from those people? Actually, yes. And the thing about this is it takes time to be able to see what I, uh, what I was saying. Um, it's not something that happens overnight like I naive, naively thought. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I ended right. up, people started to realize it slowly and contact me and want to work with us. Um, and more and more people now are starting to see it. And, and now we're, we're branching into the, the skeptic and atheist area as well, which is how we found each other. Um, and, and critical thinking as well. And just to also add complementary to, to um, critical thinking. Uh, sorry, <laughs> a little bit dyslexic sometimes, I see. Um, um, trying to complement critical thinking because it's great, but there's a lot of... Um, Areas that are still, like you were saying, that there's big biases here and there. And so even people who study critical thinking are still stuck in those biases. Right. And so I, to, so we're now working on helping to improve that as well. Right. Um, so. Well, where do people find you if they're curious about your journey, your videos, your work? Where, where is, I'll, I'll put the link here in the show notes here, but where, where is okay. that? Okay, so there's my website, jessicashaw.com. There's the eofproject.org. Uh, and there's my Facebook page as well. And, yeah, you should be able to find everything from there. Perfect. Okay, good. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend people check you out. 
uh, for, okay. for all the reasons we have talked about in this show. Uh, you definitely have come through an interesting journey, uh, you know, from, from, the, from a different angle. But, and yet, I hope people can see all the parallels to all the other people that I've interviewed uh, who have experienced life in a destructive cult atmosphere, woken up, had to suffer through the consequences of that waking up, and are now leading a life that is more intellectually and emotionally honest, but is kind of harder in a lot of ways. You know? Oh, yes, it is. It's like being sober for yeah. the first time in a, in a long time. And, and like right. seeing the wake of the, dealing with the wake of the storm, the damage, and trying to repair it the best you can, and um, not letting yourself fall for these things, because it's so easy to go back to these patterns, these mindsets, and staying attentive to it. Yep, exactly. Exactly. All right, Jessica. Well, thank you very much for giving me uh, this bit of your life here, this bit of your time. Very welcome. Pleasure. Absolutely. Okay, folks, leave any questions or comments or feedback, good, bad, or sideways, in the comment section below or at sensiblyspeaking.com. I definitely want to hear from you on this one. I am overwhelmed with curiosity as to what you guys are going to have to say about this. Uh, all right. And I think this is probably going to be our New Year's uh, weekend episode. So, uh, so we'll be bringing in the new year here, uh, cause this will be posting a, a week from, from now when we're recording this thing. So, all right, folks, I will talk to you guys again soon and, uh, and have a great new year. And thank you again, Jessica. You're very welcome. All right. Bye-bye.